0: hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 37 to 38 and in the previous episode we read chapters 35 to 36 in which the group had been met had been able to finally get the physician's cure. but near the end of the chapter they also decided on who exactly would be the one to hold on to this physician's cure sort of like a medic or a healer. And without further ado, they had ended up choosing Piper McLean. So with that being said, we now travel to the other side of the world and see what exactly Reyna, Nico, and Coach Hedge are are doing. As we read chapter 37, Reyna. Turn back! Reyna wasn't keen to give orders to Pegasus, the lord of flying horses, but she was even less keen to get shot out of the sky. As they approached Camp half in the pre-dawn hours of August 1st, she spotted six Roman onagers. Even in the dark, their imperial gold plating glinted. Their massive throwing arms bent back like shipmasts, listing in a storm. Crews of artillerists scurried around the machines, loading the sling, slings, checking the torsion of the ropes. What are those? Nico called. He flew about 20 feet to her left and the on the dark Pegasus blackjack. Siege weapons, Rana said. if we get any closer they can shoot us out of the sky. From this high up on her right coach head shouted from the back of her steed Guido. Those are onagers, kid. those things can kick higher than Bruce Lee. Lord Pegasus, Rana said, resting her hand on the stallion's neck. We need a safe place to land. Pegasus seemed to understand. He wheeled to the left. The other flying horses followed, Blackjack, Guido, and six others who were towing the Athena Parthenos beneath them on cables. As they skirted the western edge of the camp, Raina took in the scene. The Legion lined the base of the eastern hills, ready for a dawn attack. The Onagers were arraying behind them in a loose semicircle at 300-yard intervals. Judging from the size of the weapons, Reina calculated that Octavian had enough firepower to destroy every living thing in the valley. That was only the threat. Encamped along the legion's flanks were hundreds of auxilia forces. Reina couldn't see well in the dark, but she spotted at least one tribe of wild centaurs and an army of cinophilae, the dog-headed men who'd made an uneasy truce with the legion centuries ago. The Romans were badly outnumbered, surrounded by a sea of unreliable allies. There, Nico pointed toward Long Island Sound, where the lights of a large yacht gleamed of a, a quarter mile offshore. We could land there on the deck of that ship. The Greeks control the sea. Raina wasn't sure the Greeks would be any fan- friendlier than the Romans, but Pegasus seemed to like the idea. He banged toward the dark waters of the Sound. The ship was a white pleasure craft, a hundred feet long with sleek lines and dark-tinted portals. Painted on the bow and red letters was the name Mi Amor. On the forward deck was a helipad, big enough for the Athena Parthenos. Reyna saw no crew. She guessed the ship was a regular mortal vessel, anchored for the night. But if she was wrong and the ship was a trap... It's our best shot, Nico said. The horses are tired, tired. We need to sit down. She nodded reluctantly. Let's do it. Pegasus landed on the forward deck with Guido and Blackjack. The six other horses gently sent the Athena Parthenos on the helipad, then settled around with it. With their cables and harnesses they looked like carousel animals. Raina dismounted. She had two days as she had two days ago when she first met Pegasus, she knelt before the horse. Thank you, great one. Pegasus spread his wings and inclined his head. Even now, after flying halfway up the east coast together, Raina could scarcely believe the immortal horse had allowed her to ride. Raina had always pictured him as a solid white with dove-like wings, but Pegasus' coat was rich brown, mottled with red and gold around the muzzle, which Hedge claimed were the marks where the stallion had emerged from the blood and ichor of his beheaded mother, Medusa. Pegasus' wings were the colors of an eagle's. Gold, white, brown and rust, which made him look much more handsome and regal than plain white. He was the color of all horses, representing all his offspring. Lord Pegasus nickered. Hedge trotted over to translate. Pegasus says he should leave before the shooting starts. His life force connects all Pegasus I see, so if he gets injured, all winged horses feel his pain. That's why he doesn't get out much. He's immortal, but his offspring offspring aren't. He doesn't want them to suffer on his account. He asked the other st- horses to stay with us to help us complete our mission. I understand, Reyna said. Thank you. Pegasus whinnied. Hedge's eyes widened. He choked back a sob and fished a handkerchief out of his backpack and dabbed his eyes. Coach? Nico frowned with concern. What did Pegasus say? He He says he didn't come to us in person because of my message. Hedge turned to Reyna. He he did it because of you. He experiences the feelings of all winged horses. He followed your friendship with Scipio. Pegasus says he's never been touched by a demigod's compassion for a winged horse. He gives you the title horse friend. This is a great honor." Reyna's eyes stung. She bowed her head. Thank you, Lord. Pegasus pawed the deck. The other winged creatures whinnied in salute. Then their sire launched himself upward and spiraled into the night. Head stared at the clouds in amazement. Pegasus hasn't shown himself in hundreds of years. He patted you Raina on the back. You did good, Roman. Raina didn't feel like she deserved credit for putting Scipio through so much suffering, but she forced down her feelings of guilt. Nico, we should check the ship, she said. If there's anyone on b- aboard, way ahead of you. He struck Blackjack's muzzle. I sense two mortals asleep in the main cabin, nobody else. I'm no child of hypnos, but I've sent some deep dreams their way. Should be enough to keep them snoozing until well after sunrise. Raina tried not to stare at him. In the last few days, he'd gotten so much stronger. Hedge's nature magic had brought him back from the brink. She'd seen Nico do some impressive things, but man- manipulating dreams? Had he always been able to do that? Coach Hedge rubbed his hands eagerly. So when can we go ashore? My wife is waiting. Rena scanned the horizon. A Greek trireme patrolled just offshore but it didn't seem to have noticed their arrival. No alarm sound, no signs of movement along the beach. She got a glimpse of silver wake in the moonlight, a half mile to the west. A black motorboat was speeding toward them with no running lights. Reyna hoped it was a mortal vessel. Then it got closer, and Reyna's hands tightened on the hilt of her sword. Glinting on the boat's prow was a laurel wreath designed with the letters S P Q R. The Legion has a welcoming committee. Nico followed her gaze. I thought the Romans didn't have a navy. We didn't, she said. Apparently, Octavian has been busier than I realized. So we attack! headset because nobody's standing in my way when I'm this close. Reina counted three people in the speedboat. The two in the back wore helmets, but Reina recognized the driver's wedge-shaped face and stocky shoulders. Michael Kahale. We'll try to parlay, Reina decided. That's one of Octavian's right-hand men, but he's a good legionnaire and may be able to reason with him. The wind swept Nico's dark hair across his face. But if you're wrong, the black boat slowed and I uh, pulled us alongside. Michael called up. "Reina, I've got orders to arrest you and confiscate that statue. I'm coming aboard with two other centurions. I prefer to do this without bloodshed. Reina tried to control her trembling legs. Come aboard, Michael She turned to Nico and Coach Edge. If I'm wrong, be ready. Michael Kahale won't be easy to fight. Michael wasn't dressed for combat, He wore only his purple cam shirt, jeans, and running shoes. He carried no visible weapon, but that didn't make Reyna feel any better. His arms were as thick as bridge cables, his expression as welcoming as a brick wall. The dove tattoo on his forearm looked more like a bird of prey. His eyes glittered darkly as he took in the scene. The Athena Parthenos harnessed to his team of pegasi. Nico with his Stygian sword drawn, Coach Hedge with his baseball bat. Michael's backup centurions were Layla from the 5th cohort and Dakota from the 5th. Strange choices. Leila, Leila, daughter of Ceres, wasn't known for her aggressiveness. She was usually quite level-headed. In Dakota, Reyna couldn't believe the son of Bacchus. The most good-natured of officers would side with Octavian. Reyna Ramirez-Ariano, Michael said, like he was reading a scroll. Former Praetor. I am Praetor. Raina corrected, unless I've been removed by a vote of the full Senate. Is that the case? Michael sighed heavily. His heart didn't seem to be in this task. I have orders to arrest you and hold you for trial. On whose authority? You know whose. On what charges? Listen, Raina. Michael rubbed his palm across his forehead like he might wipe his headache. I don't like this any more than you do, but I have my orders. Illegal orders. It's too late for argument octavian has assumed emergency powers the legion is behind him is that true she looked pointedly at dakota and layla layla wouldn't meet her eyes dakota winked like she, he was trying to convey a message but it was try, hard to tell with him he might have been twitching simply from too much sugary kool-aid we're at war michael said we have to pull together dakota and layla have not been the most enthusiastic supporters Octavian gave them this one last chance to prove themselves. If they help me bring you in, prefer be alive, but dead if necessary, then they keep their rank and prove their loyalty. To Octavian, Reyna noted, not the Legion. Michael spread his hands, which were only slightly smaller than baseball mitts. You can't blame the officers for falling into line. Octavian has a plan to win and is a good plan. At dawn, those onagers will destroy the Greek camp without a single loss of Roman life. The gods should be healed. Nico stepped in. You'd wipe out half the demigods of the world, half the gods' legacy, to heal them? You'll tear apart Olympus before Gaia even wakes up. And she is waking, Centurion. Michael scowled. Ambassador of Pluto. Son of Hades. Whatever you call yourself. You've been named an enemy spy. I've got orders to take you in for execution. (laughs) You can try, Nico said coldly. The face-off was so absurd, it should have been humorous. Nico was several years younger, half a foot shorter, and 50 pounds lighter. But Michael didn't make a move. The veins in his neck pulsed. Dakota coughed. <coughs> um, Raina, just come with us peacefully, please. We can work this out. He was definitely winking at her. All right, enough talk. Coach Ed sized to Michael Kahale. Let me take this joker down I've handled bigger. Michael smirked at that. I'm sure you're a brave fawn, but... Sater! Coach Edge leaped at the Centurion. He brought his baseball bat down with full force, but Michael simply caught it and yanked it away from the coach. Michael broke the bat over his knee, then he pushed the coach back, though Reyna could tell Michael wasn't trying to hurt him. That's it! Edge growled. Now I'm really mad! Coach, Reyna warned. Michael's very strong. You need to be an ogre or a... From somewhere off the port side, down at the waterline, a voice yelled. Kahali! What's taking so long? Michael flinched. Octavian? Of course it's me! yelled a voice from the dark. I got tired of you waiting for you to carry out my orders. I'm coming aboard. Everyone on both sides, drop your weapons. Michael frowned. Uh, sir? Everyone? Even us? You don't solve every problem with a sword or a fist, you big dolt. I can handle these great scum Michael looked unsure about that, but he mentioned Delilah and Dakota, who set their swords on the deck. Rena glanced at Nico. Obviously, something was wrong. She couldn't think of any reason Octavian would be here, putting himself in harm's way. He definitely wouldn't be ordering his own officers to get rid of their weapons. The Rena's instincts told her to play along. She dropped her blade. Nico did the same. Everyone is disarmed, sir, Michael called. "'Good!' yelled Octavian. A dark silhouette appeared at the top of the ladder, but he was much too big to be Octavian. A smaller shape with wings fluttered up behind him. A harpy? By the time Marina realized what was happening, the cyclops had crossed the deck in two large strides. He bopped Michael Kahale on the head. The centurion fell like a sack of rocks. Dakota and Layla backed up in alarm. The harpy fluttered to the deckhouse roof. In the moonlight, her feathers were the color of dried blood. "'Strong!' said Ella creating her wings. Ella's boyfriend is stronger than Roman's. Friends! Boom, Tyson, the Cyclops. He scooped up Reyna in one arm and Hedge and Nico in the other. We have come to save you! Hooray for us! And that's the end of chapter 37. What a wonderful chapter. To think that maybe there was a slight chance that the trio didn't... Maybe would have to surrender. And that they would have to surrender to the Athena Parthenon, Something that they took so long and so much effort into bringing back for Tyson to come in and help them out. What a wonderful way to end that chapter. I just, I'm now completely confident because Tyson, he has his own army. So he's easily going to be able to defeat that whole skedaddle that they had um, on the ship with Octavian. So I think that this is going to be amazing. And I can't wait to read this after the break because this is truly, it was, you know, after a while, you know, you start wondering where exactly did Tyson go, you know, but it's moments like this that make you remember that he's back and he's here to save everybody. So we're going to read chapter 38, Reyna, after the break. And we're back from the break, and now we're going to read Chapter 38, Raina. Raina had never been so glad to see a cyclops, at least until Tyson set them down and wheeled on Leela and Dakota. Bad Romans! Tyson, wait! Raina said. Don't hurt them. Tyson frowned. He was small for a cyclops, still a child, really. A little over six feet tall, his messy brown hair crusted with salt water, his big single eye the color of maple syrup. He wore only a swimsuit and a flannel pajama shirt, like he couldn't decide whether to go swimming or go to sleep. He exuded a strong smell of peanut butter. "'They are not bad?' he asked. "'No,' Reyna said. "'They are following bad orders. "'I think they're sorry for that. "'Aren't you, Dakota?' "'Dakota put his arms up so fast "'he looked like Superman about to take off. "'Reyna, I was trying to clue you in. "'Layla and I plan to switch sides "'and help you da- take down Michael.' "'That's right!' Layla almost fell backward over the railing. "'But before we could, the Cyclops did it for us!' Coach had snorted. "'Ha! A likely story!' Tyson sneezed. Achoo. "'Sorry. Go for it. Itchy nose. Do we trust Romans?' "'I do,' Rana said. "'Dakota? Layla? You understand what our mission is?' Layla nodded. "'We—you want to return that statue to the Greeks as a peace offering. Let us help!' "'Yeah,' Dakota nodded vigorously. "'The Legion's not nearly as united as Michael claimed. "'We don't trust all the auxilia forces Octavian has gathered.' Nico laughed bitterly. <laughs> "'A little late for doubts. "'You're surrounded. "'As soon as Camp Half-Blood is destroyed, "'those allies will turn on you.' "'So what do we do?' asked Dakota. "'We have an hour at most until sunrise.' "'5.52 a.m.' said Ella, still perched on the bo- boathouse. "'Sunrise. Eastern seaboard. "'August 1st. Timetables for naval meteorology.' One hour and 12 minutes is more than one hour. Dakota's eyes ticked. I stand corrected. Coach Hedge looked at Tyson. Can we get into Camp Hopland safely? Is Melly all right? Tyson scratched his chin thoughtfully. Hmm, she's very round. But she's okay, Hedge persisted. She hasn't given birth yet? Delivery occurs at the end of the third trimester, Ella advised. Page 43, the new mother's guide to- I gotta get over there! Hedge looked like he was ready to jump overboard and swim. Raina put her hand on his shoulder. Coach, we'll get you to your wife, but let's do it right. Tyson, how did you and Ella get out to this rain- er, ship? Rainbow! You take a rainbow? He's my fish pony friend. Uh, hippocampus. Nico advised. I see, Raina thought for a moment. Could you and Ella escort the coach back to Camp Half-Blood safely? Yes, Tyson said. We can do that. Good. Coach, go see your wife. Tell the campers I plan to fly the Athena Parthenos to Halfblood Hill at sunrise. It's a gift from Rome to Greece to heal our divisions. If they could refrain from shooting me at the sky, I'd be grateful. You got it, Hedge said. But what about the Roman Legion? That's a problem, Layla said gravely. Those onagers will blast you out of the sky. We'll need a distraction, Reyna said. Something to delay the attack on Camp Halfblood and preferably put those weapons out of commission. Dakota, Layla... Will your cohorts cohorts follow you? Uh, I think so, yes, Dakota said. But if we ask them to commit treason- It isn't treason, Layla said. Not if we're acting on direct orders from our praetor. And Reyna is still praetor. Reyna turned to Nico. I need you to go with Dakota and Layla. While they're stirring trouble in the ranks, try to delay the attack. You have to find a way to sabotage those onagers. Nico's smile made Reyna glad he was on her side. My pleasure. We'll buy you time to deliver the Athena Parthenos. Dakota shuffled his feet. Even if you get the statue to the hill, what's to stop Octavian from destroying it once it's in place? He's got a lot of firepower, even without the onagers. Rain appeared up at the ivory face of Athena, veiled behind camouflage netting. Once the statue is returned to the Greeks, I think it will be difficult to destroy. It has great magic. It has simply chosen not to use it yet. Layla bent down slowly and retrieved her sword, keeping her eyes on the Athena Parthenos. I'll take your word for it. What do we do with Michael? Raina regarded the snoring mountain of Hawaiian demigod. Put him in your boat. boat. Don't hurt him or bind him. I have a feeling Michael's heart is in the right place. He just had the bad luck of being sponsored by the wrong person. Nico sheathed his black sword. You sure about this, Reyna? I don't like leaving you alone. Blackjack winning and licked the side of Nico's face. Gah! Okay, I'm sorry. Nico wiped off the horse pit. Reyna's not alone. She's got a herd of excellent pegasi. Reyna couldn't help but smile. I'll be fine. With luck, we'll all meet again soon enough. We'll fight side by side against Gaia's forces. Be careful and... Ave hey, Rome Dakota and Layla repeated the cheer. Tyson furried his single eyebrow. Who's Ave? He means go Romans. Reyna clapped the Cyclops' forearm. But by all means, go Greeks too. The words sounded strange in her mouth. She faced Nico. She wanted to hug him but wasn't sure the gesture would be welcome. She extended her hand. It's been an honor questing with you, son of Hades. Nico's grip was strong. You're the most courageous demigod I've ever met, Raina. I... He faltered, perhaps realizing he had a large audience. I won't let you down. See you on Half-Blood Hill. The sky began to lighten in the east as the group dispersed. Soon, Raina stood on the deck of the Remia Amor, alone for eight pegasi and a 40-foot-tall Athena. She tried to steady her nerves until Nico, Dakota, and Layla had time to disrupt the Legion's attack. She couldn't do anything, but she hated standing around and waiting. Just over the dark line of hills, her comrades in the 12th Legion were preparing for a needless attack. If Reyna had stayed with them, she could have guided them better. She could have kept Octavian in check. Perhaps the giant Orion was correct. She'd failed in her duties. She remembered the ghost on the balcony in San Juan, pointing at her, whispering accusations, murderer, traitor. She remembered the feel of the golden saber in her hand as she slashed down her father's specters, his face full of outrage and betrayal. You are Ramirez Ariano, her father used to rant. Never abandon your post. Never let anyone in. Above all, never betray your own. By helping the Greeks, Reina had done all those things. A Roman was was supposed to destroy her enemies. Instead, Reyna had joined forces with them. She'd left her legion in the hands of a madman. What would her mother say? Bellona, the war goddess? Blackjack must have sensed her agitation. He clopped over and nuzzled her. She stroked his muzzle. I don't have any treats for you, boy. He bumped her affectionately. Nico had told her that Blackjack was Percy's usual ride, but he seemed friendly to everyone. He carried the son of Hades without protest. Now he was comforting a Roman. She wrapped her arms around his powerful neck. His coat smelled like Scipio's, a mixture of fresh-cut grass and warm bread. She let loose a sob that had been building in her chest. As Praetor, she, sh- she couldn't show weakness or fear to her comrades. She had to stay strong, but the horse didn't seem to mind. He nickered gently. Marina couldn't understand horse, but he seemed to say, It's all right. You've done well. She looked up at the fading stars. Mother, she said, I haven't prayed to you enough. I've never met you. I've never asked for your help, but please, this morning, give me the strength to do what is right. As if on cue, something flashed on the eastern horizon, a light across the sound approaching fast like another speedboat. For one elated later moment, Raina thought it was a sign from Bologna. The dark shape got closer. Raina's hope turned to dread. She waited too long, paralyzed with disbelief, as the figure resolved with the large humanoid running toward her across the surface of water. The first arrow struck Blackjack's flank. The horse collapsed with a shriek of pain. Marina screamed, but before she could move, a second arrow hit the deck between her feet. Attached to a shaft was a glowing LED reading out the size of her wristwatch, counting down from 5, 4.59, 4.58. And that's the end of chapter 38. Wow, it's like these demigods do not get a rest whatsoever. It's it's like they don't get two minutes to just sit down and just have a moment to themselves. They just had to shoot it down. Shoot Blackjack. <sighs> well, that concludes the end of chapter 38, and it's just a varying mixture. It's frustration, it's sadness, it's empathy. It's a bunch of things, to be honest. And I think that... This just showed another side to the demigods. It's the fact that... Not only do demigods have to go on these difficult quests. Go through difficult moments. That no other human could... Potentially go through. At such a young age. And have to deal with it. And move on with It's just appalling and just amazing to me. And again, it just continues to show why some demigods just betray the camps. They're just so tired of fighting and fighting and fighting that they might as well join the ones that they are fighting against to make it easier on their own lives and just make them quit having to constantly be in a state of worry. But I think that it's something that they sh- it showed us that sometimes even demigods aren't able to hold it back. I mean Reina One of the greatest praetors probably known by Camp Camp Jupiter had to let it all out. Had to let the sobs just roll down her eyes. Why? Because she couldn't take it anymore. She couldn't fathom the fact that she just had to continue fighting. That too against her own legion. Not against monsters, but against the ones that she led and the ones she took care of had betrayed her because of Octavian. So I think that is just something that these demigods—they just have to go through so much, and it's frustrating to watch how they don't get a moment's rest, and how they're not even allowed to think. At that point, they don't even have a chance to think because of all the constant attacks that just comes. At them, <clears throat> at them. So yes, that concludes our reading for this episode. We will now move on to the Q and A section. A couple of disclaimers before we go into the Q and A section is number one: if I miss your name or your question, do please let me know, and I'll try my best to get you in the next episode. However, with that being said, <clears throat> I do have a couple of conditions, um, just to make sure that nobody feels um, upset if I end up missing their question is that number one, sometimes I do feel uncomfortable answering some questions. Um, At the moment, I'm not uh, completely comfortable with, you know, um, sharing too much information about myself and who I am. But hopefully in in the near future, I will be able to do so. Um, the other thing is that sometimes, uh, some questions that I see, I've seen answer, I've answered them in previous episodes. So if you're wondering maybe, you know, why wasn't my question answered, there's also the chance that I, uh, that I answered your question in the previous episodes. So be sure to check out those previous episodes because I have for sure probably addressed that question. All right, now let's move on to the shout outs. We have two shout outs, Chubby the Dog and Cool Kid 092. Thank you guys. Now, moving on to the questions. What is your opinion on Medusa? Now, Medusa is something, someone that I think her story is something that's just, it differs. You know, I actually, I think that you know, where you hear it from really, really affects what you're, what you're thinking about and what exactly your opinion on her as a whole is. But I think that at the end of the day, there's one really clear message that Medusa's story gives out. And it's the idea of consent. Consent is ma- is so important no matter what. And I think that Medusa's story really gives us that. That in order to give consent is when you start doing things. When you start, maybe if you say, hey, can I borrow your pencil? And they say, yes, that's consent. You take that pencil and then you start doing, you start maybe doing your work and just finish your work with that pencil. It starts from, consent starts from the smallest of things to the biggest of things. And I think that Medusa really, no matter what side we hear it from, that the message that we get from that is that consent is the most important thing known to man. And it's very important that we continue on that stride. Next question is, do you enjoy reading or is it something you are obligated to do? I do enjoy reading. I think that once you find a specific genre that you're really interested in, it's something that you can enjoy for a long time. Uh, next question is, are you going to make a Discord channel? Not in the near future, no. Next question is, if each of the seven, seven demigods had a pet, what would it be? Um, so for this one, I, uh, I'm going to have a list of animals... But if any of you guys think that, hey, I think Percy should be this, or hey, I think Jason should be this, feel free to write it in the comments. All right, so I think Percy's going to be a dolphin, and if it's going to be an owl, Jason's going to be a swan, Piper's going to be a deer, Hazel's going to be a stallion, and Frank's going to be a bear, and Leo is going to be a golden retriever. All right, our next question is, do you like horses? Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty good. They're pretty nice. I think um, they're pretty fast. They're pretty cool. Um, sweetest and saddest moments in Percy Jackson and Heroes of Olympus series. I think that the sweetest moment was Percy falling into Tartarus with Annabeth. I don't think any 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 I don't think anything could ever top that. If I'm going to be completely honest, um, it's it's more bittersweet than sweet. But I think that just the idea that Percy was thinking that I am, that he's never going to let go of Annabeth. He will always be with Annabeth. And that if Annabeth falls into trouble, that he will fall into the same trouble just to help her out. So I think that that was definitely one of the sweetest moments to top any of the series, by far. Uh, next question is, next one is saddest moments. This is during Percy Jackson. And I think that's something that really made me tear up while I was reading the book... was when Selina and Beckendorf... their respective scenes... where... I think that the sacrifices they made... for the camp... was something that I, I just... I think that it really made me tear up. It's just such a noble... yet bitter effort, you know? They knew it had to be done. But in that moment that they knew it had to be done... they also left us with this pain that the demigods and the readers leave behind or have because of such two important, crucial demigods that proved that they are truly some of the best best ones some of the best counselors on Camp Half-Blood next question is have you ever been to Canada? nope, but I would like to go next question is, do you like desserts? I really like desserts. Um, I wouldn't say eating them, but more so learning about them. I really love watching, you know, baking shows and just learning about the different techniques and the different types of desserts that anybody can make. I, I think to me, dessert making is kind of like more a creative base. Once you really know how to make a couple of items, the if you're able to layer them or just, you know, infuse them or just be able to have those mixtures those combo combinations of flavors that just leave a party in anybody's mouth who tastes them i think that's really a a beauty that i would never let go of when it comes to baking um so yes i do have a really big affinity for baking and yeah maybe hopefully in the future i'll actually get to bake the things that i really love looking at people other people make um next question is do you play sports um, I used to play a bit, but not anymore. Um, as I've gotten older, it's something that I've decided to let go of. Uh, next question is, would you rather fight Percy-, Percy with no weapons but summon any Titan, or fight Jason with the powers of Poseidon? Probably Percy with summoning a Titan, because I think... Yeah, I'd probably be able to summon any, like, even Tartarus at that point. I think Tartarus is a titan. Should be a titan. But yeah, I'd be able to summon some of the biggest titans. But I think Poseidon's powers can only take me so far. So I think that I would definitely take Percy's option. Next question is, Nico versus Percy, who would win? You know, I wouldn't know. I don't think I know. Well, actually, it could be Nico, because... His powers have incredibly skyrocketed since the last time probably him and Percy have ever even talked to each other. So I definitely say maybe Nico. I'm Team Nico on that one. Next question is favorite Pokemon? I would probably say My favorite Pokemon would probably be Hmm Psyduck such a funny guy I love Psyduck uh next question is do you know Undertale or Deltarune I've heard of them but I don't play them next question is favorite actor don't have one next next one favorite demigod couple Percy and Annabeth first easily then maybe second would probably be Leo and Calypso And that concludes our Q&A session. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did reading it. And next week, we'll continue this by reading chapters 39 to 40 and see what exactly happens as Reyna tries to battle an incoming force of monsters. So, see you next week. And stay safe and stay out of boredom.